0: And welcome into Poke the Bear episode 206 presented by CLNS Media and sponsored by our good friends over at FanDuel and Factor Meals. My name is Connor Ryan. Today we are once again joined by the esteemed 98.5 The Sports Hubs, Ty Anderson. Ty, how you doing? I feel like I'm doing better than you based on how you sound
1: and that's a rarity. Usually it's the other way around. Usually you're you're the one sounding great, and I'm sounding like absolute garbage uh, because my voice is always gone. So here we are. We're able to get through it, though, I hope, and uh, it's good to be back with you.
0: Ty, I, I don't view myself as a very dramatic person, but I'm in hell. This, this isn't great. I'm trucking through, as you said. Got an upper body injury. Can't can't fucking talk. I, I can slightly talk, but it's better than when it was a few days ago. I, I was telling Evan that A few days ago, I sounded like a mix of like when SpongeBob didn't get his water with like Emperor Palpatine. Which, Mm. if you're listening to that in the car to a a hockey podcast, I can't imagine it's pleasant. That's not a good ASMR voice to listen to as we like talk about Jeremy Swayman, the Calgary Flames, or anything like that. It can't be pleasant. So I'm at least slightly getting better now. I just sound slightly haggard, which I, I which I think is more enjoyable than where it was before. So. We're making a little bit of progress here, I would say.
1: Yeah, as long as you don't die on me, and then I have to give a statement of some sort. That's like that's that, all that I care so about. Ugly. to Be honest
0: with you. And you know, you don't even have the admin thing for this recording thing, so you wouldn't even know what to do. It, it this this video would run for like seven hours. It'd be just Ty being like, it's... do I call nine one one? Like, ah, shit, no. Maybe yeah, I don't having, know what like, I would do. You'd you'd have Doom on camera. That'd be that'd be kind of cool. It'd be me like just like passed out, but. Yeah, she's over here. She's chilling. She's chilling.
1: Okay, she might good. she might pop we over. We don't, a... we
0: never know. Okay, good good to know. Hopefully not while I'm deceased or anything like that. No, so. no, we don't want that. Um, no, we do not want that. So, let's pivot into the uh, Bruins talk here. Bruins start their Western Canada road trip with a six-five overtime win over the Oilers, a bananas game. Um, as someone who was trying to go to sleep at a reasonable hour, you boys. White blood cells immune system was in hell in a complete bender as I stayed up till one AM to watch that game. Great entertaining game. Bruins, I think as we all expected, weren't gonna have as much gas in the tank the following night. Bit of a slug against the Calgary Flames, lose three two in overtime to them, but still get a point out of it. Um Ty the Bruins as a whole have been playing uh not that great, I would say, uh for an extended stretch here, especially since the all-star break. But Uh, getting three points out of a three out of a possible four points to start off this road trip. What's going to been your big takeaways uh, as, as to their play as of late?
1: Yeah. I I think even if we go back to the Monday game and the Saturday loss to the LA Kings, I think the biggest difference and you saw it play out in Edmonton and you saw it maybe not play out in in Calgary in the overtime was that your best players were making plays. Um, You know, you go back to, Uh, Monday uh, against the the stars and David Pasternak ties it up and Charlie McAvoy wins it in the shootout. And then you go to Tuesday in Edmonton. Well, David Pasternak gives you the go ahead goal after you blow a three goal lead. Uh, The Oilers tie it up. Sure. But then in the overtime, McAvoy, you know, plays hero again. And so, you know, I I think that's sort of the big difference for this team down the second half here. And in the stretch here is that their best players are going to have to be, their horses every single night. And everything you get from, you know, the, the bottom of the roster is kind of a bonus, right? But you know, McAvoy, Pasternak, you know, you see it last night with Charlie Coyle scores two goals. Like, like that's what they need. And the amount of contributions they get from those guys and their goaltending, that's gonna make the difference for them down the stretch. I mean, this kind this roster by now, it is what it is, right? And, and I think we all have to acknowledge that to some degree. So it's really about the top of the roster. And, and and this is not rocket science. I know when the top of the roster produces, this team has a greater chance of winning. And really, you know, they just, I think my, that's my biggest takeaway is that they are so top-heavy that it really is on them every single night. And if they don't get it, it's going to be harder to win games.
0: Yeah. And, and I think, too, you look at just the way this roster is set up, one thing that I've kind of noticed, and I, I think I've hit a hit a stage of acceptance at this point, Ty, is we're going to get to late March, we're going to get to early April, right for the playoffs. And I'm pretty confident now in saying I have no clue what the fuck these lines are going to look like. That I, I feel like when you look at just the the mixing and matching, um, I don't know if you even glean off of like what we've seen the last couple of games, but the days of like having like a set, you know, even top six doesn't seem to be the case anymore. But you look now at, like Frederick on the fourth line, um, you look at that fourth line, right? And you've had guys who I think have stepped up as of late, like Anthony Richards had a couple of good games, had a good setup for Coyle's goal in in Calgary. Uh, Justin Brezzo has been pretty solid. I feel like every shot he's had has been within five feet of the ice, which a winning formula, I I would say, for a guy like that. Um, But I think you look at just the way this team is constructed, and it kind of complements your point of you have to rely on your big guns to kind of bail you out. Seems like the whole rest of the roster, like you'll take the contributions. You'll need them, right? Like you'll need Coyle to keep on contributing. I think you saw how good this team is when a guy like DeBrusque is dialed in because he was money, I think, in that Oilers game. He was awesome in that one. Um, you you need those contributions and you'll welcome them, but hoping for like some you know, consistency with these lines or some set identity being built. I think it's just not gonna be the case. I mean, we can look specifically at that fourth line where You've got Bolquist and Richard and, you know, Frederick if he's down there or Lauko, what have you. I feel like that you are going to be mixing and matching that group all the way up into the playoffs and then, hell, probably in the playoffs as well. So I feel like when you look at this team, yes, they've got a lot of intriguing pieces, but I think the days of, like, maybe the, the Cassidy days of where it's like, all right, this is maybe the criticism for him was he's not moving his lines that much. Um, I feel like it's the opposite now, and I feel like you're not going to get any sort of – I don't know if cohesion is the word, right? Cause that seems like it means these guys are going to be sputtering in the playoffs, but any set idea of what these lines are going to be. I feel like just throw that out the window at that point. You can't expect that now going to the playoffs.
1: Yeah. And, and you listened to Jim Montgomery last night in Calgary talking about the switches that he made. Cause he made some pretty drastic ones. I think at one point you had loco with Zaka and I forget who the other one was, but like, and, and he, he was asked about it. He's always asked about it, but he was asked about, it and he said, you know certain guys didn't have their legs and then i went back to the other lines when i realized guys got their legs and it's like he is such a field-based coach that yeah that it, it just feels like especially this year it's going to be constant right it's going to be a constant test of okay who has it who doesn't all right change it up go from there and, and so and i think that really you know to your point like with the roster they have you know with anthony richard with justin brazo with uh You know, Morgan Geek, you can play center and wing with Trent Frederick, who can play center and wing JVR can play left and right if you really need him to like. And so when you have that kind of roster, it really opens up your options and opens up your ability to be, you know, the mad scientist always tinkering with your lines. And it's good and bad. I I think some nights it works out other nights. It doesn't Um, it, it, you know, I I do wonder how aggressive he'll be with it in the playoffs, just because I think it's a little bit you know, playoffs, you want to get your matchups, right? You want to figure right. out, okay, who, who can cancel out this guy or who can who can take advantage of this or that, right? And so I think it's harder to do that in the playoffs, but this may be just the hand they're dealt. You know, like I feel this way with the defense. I feel this way with the defense to a certain degree that with what they have right now. It is what it is, man. It's going to suck sometimes. Yeah. They're going to have some combos that get their ass beat on occasion. It's about just surviving the night. Like this is what it is. And that's kind of what it feels like with the forwards as well, where, it's a nightly test to, you know, to to maxim, you know, to optimize what you have there and and you gotta you gotta move them around. And it's gonna be weird and it's gonna be kind of annoying at times, but it it it's sort of this is this is what you signed up for. When you knew you had four and a half million dollars in overages and you knew the cap wasn't going up, I mean, this is kind of what it is. It, it, and it's kind of crazy to think how worse it could how much worse it could have been. Like if you traded you know, player X and Y to, to keep player Z like, man, this could have, this could be a whole lot worse than than it is right now, which is saying a lot considering how good they've been despite their frustrations and their struggles at times to have a, you know, a
0: a consistent lineup, so to speak. Right. And so again, you look at just the guys they've signed, like they've hit on a lot of guys, right? We look at like, I think kiki has been really solid JVR is like, hell he's on pace for a fucking 50 point season. Right. Like, yeah. They've hit on these guys. It's just the mixing and matching and kind of that constant um adjustments from Montgomery seems like it's been necessary on his part. So we'll, again we'll see where where we get to once we get some, you know, match in April. Again, who knows if they even added the deadline? There could be a guy on the fourth line that fits in there and gets everyone settled in. There could be a, a guy they get on the third line, what have you. Defense, obviously. Like there's a whole lot still up in the air. So I think the early days of I remember back in like October, November being like they need to keep Callie Coyle next to Fred Frederick. And it's like those days are long gone. Like those days of yeah. feels like a long, long time ago. So, um, hoping for that any sort of that cohesion anymore. Throw out the one at this point. Like don't don't worry about it and see kind of where where the chips fall once we get to April. So, um, I, I will say one thing, Ty. It's probably worth noting with this uh, this stretch here, and especially the Oilers game, which again, great theater. Great hockey, uh, especially if you're probably a neutral fan watching that. I don't know who the hell was up that late. But uh, I think you look at that game, um, Jeremy Swayman has, I think, a a 900 flat save percentage since the All-Star break. And, again, made some timely saves in overtime, uh, stepped up when needed. But, you know, timely saves, I think, is a a Bruce Cassidy staple, right, of making the save at the right time to stem the tide when – the team is pushing when there's you know momentum is you know all on your side and you can't have a, a goal leak through he's been prone to a few of those or these last couple of games where again like you can have a great game where you're stopping 28 of, of 31 shots what have you but when you give him a goal at a critical time and you saw that during that that shot from cc that snuck through and Yenmark jammed it home like Again, Swayman's been very good this year. I, I think like he's he's been a very solid goalie, but there has been times where those leaky goals, those uh, timely saves hasn't been there, and it's really kind of cost the Bruins. And it's something that I think you have to be aware of once we get to the playoffs that the margin forever is so small that if you're playing a high-powered team like Toronto or Florida, can't have those situations pop up.
1: One hundred percent. And, you know, it's really interesting, right? Like, again, you go back you, if you go back to Monday's game, I, I, I keep I hate that I keep rewinding beyond the road trip here. But you go back to Monday's game, uh, 43 saves, career high. I got to be honest, a little bit of a fraudulent 43 save night, in my opinion. A lot of low danger looks from the, the stars who a team that just kind of funnels pucks to the net from their point. Um, so I, I don't want to take too, too much away from him. I didn't love the Essa Lindell goal. I didn't love it. Uh, it's a two on one. Lindell's got shot all the way. It's Essa freaking Lindell. It, you know, like it, it. It's it. It's not. You know, it, it's not Wyatt Johnson coming down on you or Jason Robertson. And so you look at that. And you go. You need a save there. Like you, you want to save there. And then he makes up for it though. He makes up for it with the great shootout. And he keeps them alive when their guys aren't scoring on Jake Ottinger, and then they win it. And so it's it's hard to, to crush him for that. And, and then. You go to the you go to the Edmonton game, you know, he faces 18 shots in, in the third period. He allows I think four goals or something, in the last 18 shots he faces. Like that can't happen, right? And and and, and here's the part that's that's it, it puts you in a tough spot because once again, they go to overtime, he makes two amazing saves with the Bruins down a man and then they win the game. So it's kind of like, you know, it all comes out even in the wash, but this is a guy that we're talking about having to, you know, the Bruins having to pay maybe six and a half, seven million dollars on his next, on his next contract. And you can look at some of those goals there and say, you know, OK, well. They didn't you know, what's what's Derek Forbert doing here or what's Mason Lowry doing here? You know, the fifth goal, Mason Lowry sees see Zach Hyman. He tries to stop him. He really doesn't do anything to tie up his stick or anything in front of the net. And then Hyman scores. Hyman's a very good net front guy. We will all admit that. However, those are situations where you need your all-star goalie to be your all-star goalie. It can't always be the Goldilocks. It has to be the perfect temperature for him to play well because then guess what? Then he's not, he's not you know, the, 10, the, 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 the $6.5 million goalie. If you need the perfect situation in front of him for him to be good, he's not the franchise guy. He's not the all-star guy. And that sounds harsh, and it sounds way harsher than I mean for it to sound. But this is the legitimate sort of argument that, you know, people look at the goaltending team way too cut and dry in terms of Swayman is the guy, you got to trade Ulmark. Well, if we're talking in May and they didn't win around, and both guys have the same problems, I don't know if I'm as eager to pay Jeremy Swayman $6.5 million a year or $7 million a year if he and Ulmark are the same guy and they have the same problems. And so, I, I don't know. I just think that, you know Swayman's issues right now these are not new issues and we're in year 4 now you got to sort of find the 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 level so to speak you know he can be nails for a month and then for 2 weeks he can't you know he can't get you that big save when you need it and so this reminds me a little bit of of 22 if you go back to 2022 he was electric in february i think he was goalie of the month or rookie of the month yeah. it was something it was yeah, something was like that in. he had a 935 i want to say and then for the next two months, he lost the job. He lost it to, to Elmark, who was surging. So, you know, it's tough because they're winning the games. And he's making some big plays. I think he's also putting you in spots that you don't necessarily have to be in, so to speak. And, mm-hmm. and so, timely saves. That's the name of the game. Timely saves. And, and Bruins fans, I, I, I love you to death. You got to start. Looking at him like he's not the twenty-year-old who came straight from Maine. Like, like he, he's got some years now, and he's gonna get paid. So, the expectations I think should rise with it. Personally,
0: yeah, he can't just blame Derek forward every time. Uh, is what I would uh, no. also say. Every every time there's a goal, it's like fucking Forbert. It's like just drinking a Gatorade on the bench, guys. Like I, he's not even out there right now. Again, like Forbert's not been good. We will say that, but if someone has to fall on on Swayman, obviously, and. It's actually crazy. Like again, we're talking about the most high pressure sport, you know, spot in, you know, arguably sports with a with goaltending. And these guys are, you know, have to compartmentalize that year in and year out. But you look at like Swayman, the pressure that's gonna be on him this year of like probably being the game one starter with a, a contract on the horizon, like has made it known like how much he didn't like the arbitration and wanted to prove stuff and has those comments out in the open that he's Said, it's so not like they've been really pried out. Like that, he said them. Like, uh, he's going to this playoffs with a whole lot on his shoulders beyond the obvious fact of all-star goalie trying to put this team over the hump after a crushing first-round exit. Like, it's got a lot of proof both him and Olmark, obviously. Like Olmark, you get to see if he's able to get you past the the first round as well. But um, there's a lot riding on Swayman this year. Like a whole lot, both the team but especially just his own play because as you said like Bruins can have a tough spot right now at this this offseason yes they've got a lot of cap space but like what are you going to do with that spot at goaltending because if you're allocating 11 12 million to two goalies that's pretty tough hurt. yeah yeah you, you can't in my opinion you can't
1: <laughs> add a left shot d a center if that's still of interest to them you know a center or just a high impact forward right Resign Swayman and keep Olmark, and keep Jake Debrusque. Like 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 you're yeah. probably only gonna be able to do two of the four, in my opinion, because you've got to build out a bottom of the roster. You know, like and, and you can bring in league minimum guys and try to replicate what you've done this past year, but that's hard. You know, some years you hit, other years you don't. Look at the Tempe Lightning. Tempe Lightning have been able to bring in some guys on the cheap that were really good, and other years you're like, Oh, this guy's cooked. Why do they have him? Yeah. And so that's, that's the hard part. You know, the, the Blackhawks went through that as well. The Kings went through that as well. Well, you bring in cheap guys, veteran guys, and sometimes, you know, they, they got to go to the glue factory. It's, it's over for them, you know? And so, um, it's something worth watching. I I think the biggest thing that, that my biggest takeaway Connor from all of this is that I can tell you right now that the goaltending rotation is going to happen in the playoffs. It's going to happen, but I'm now saying that it needs to happen. Um, if you go and watch these guys, there on one day of rest this year, uh, Jeremy Swayman is now three zero and two with a 11 save percentage and a two ninety four goals against average. I don't think he's been particularly great when having to play two games in a row. Linus Salmark mm-hmm. with one day of rest this year, one one and one with an eight eighty six save percentage. Neither guy has been particularly, you know, great when it comes to or to their standard um, when they have to play two games in a row. And so I I think that if I've learned anything from this goaltending, the tandem this year, it's that they have to go with the tandem, um, because neither, neither one has proven to be a workhorse quite yet. And maybe they get there and the playoffs, you have to kind of ride the, ride the vibes of, of who looks better and who's playing better, uh, when it comes to doling out a a consecutive start. But right now I'm, I'm, if anything, this year has proven to me, okay, you got to go with it because, because, Nobody's taken it and, and truly ran with it, in my opinion. Both of them look well or, or look really good when the other one is complimenting them with some time off. And, and so I'm not deviating from that. And I know there's been some stuff out there about it, but I, my opinion and my belief is that they have no appetite to make that trade in season.
0: Yeah, no, I, I don't see any situation where they'd move a guy like Olmark, regardless of what the return is, right? I think like, you can't go into the, as uh, Albert Burris from The Sopranos said, can't go into the unknown not knowing. So you can't go into the playoffs with with just one of those goalies out there for sure. So um, Ty, we will take a quick little break here uh, before we talk a little bit more about that Oilers game to our good friends over at FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers can get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar bet. That's one hundred and fifty bucks. If your bet wins, you can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with things like quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and a whole lot more. And really, that's the best part about FanDuel is that you can bet on anything. You want to place a bet on how many home runs Rafael Devers is going to hit this year? Be my guest. Maybe how many goals David Posnack is going to score against the Maple Leaf later on this season? Go for it. You can really do it all with pretty much any sport out there. Even with the NFL season done, the opportunities are endless. So bet now on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And the best part of all, you get paid instantly. Just visit Fanduel.com Boston and shoot your shot. Fanduel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 plus and present in mass. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non throwable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Shout out once again to our good friends over at FanDuel. Uh, Ty, I, I would say when you look at that Bruins Oilers game. A lot of I think neutral parties though watching that one were saying that was one of the the more entertaining games of the year. So, quick little segue here. uh How excited would you be for a Bruins Oilers Stanley Cup final? Because yeah, I'll tell I'll tell you, I'd be fucking terrified.
1: Yeah, I'd probably be more the latter than the former. Um, that's a lot of high end skill on that team between Bouchard and 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 McDavid and Dreisaitl, Hyman. Um. You know, like even guys like guys at the bottom of their roster, you know, like Ryan McLeod, like they've taken some steps this year and and they've been a really good team, really exciting team to watch. Um, their goaltending still is I, I don't know if they get there. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, they're kind of the opposite of, of the Bruins in the sense that, you know, you feel pretty good about the Bruins goaltending and you feel as if they you feel as if, if they go on a run, it's going to be because of their goaltending. Whereas the Oilers, I feel like if they don't go on a run, it's going to be because of their goaltending. Like right. ultimately, that's that's how I feel about that team. Um, yeah, that'd be interest. That'd be interesting. You know, I, I still think Vegas and Dallas are the class of the Western Conference, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really high on Dallas. I, I think Dallas is going to win the Western Conference this year. Um, but Edmonton, I mean, that that is premier skill, right? And, and you see it. You see how exhausting it is to try to keep them at bay you know, you felt like it was a win. The Bruins kept them to, what was it? Two goals for 40 minutes. And then, oh, here comes the push. And when that push comes, it is hard to stop them. They are a freight train kind of team when they get rolling. So, um, would be a terrifying matchup. Would be an absolutely terrifying matchup for the Bruins. Um, it, it, it's, what's really interesting though, is that like in theory, if you have Lindholm and Carlo and McAvoy, like you kind of have the, the, the size and the, and the movement to, to maybe limit them a little bit in terms of, you know, how rangy that second pairing can be and just how good McAvoy can be. I thought McAvoy was great. That was a game where McAvoy was really like, Hey, you gotta be the guy. And he was the guy. So that'd be the biggest key, you know, in that kind of a series. And it's a long way to go for both teams. Both teams have a lot to prove. It feels like this, this postseason, uh, you know, whether it's, it's the Oilers looking at their core and saying, can we do it with this core? Or the Bruins saying, okay, we got to make a big addition here. You know, and so there's a lot kind of riding on, uh, I think, these teams' playoff runs here.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I agree, too. Like, Dallas is, Dallas is the ultimate team. You look at just their roster, how they play, and you're like, that's a team that's going to win two or three rounds. Like, you just look at, like, defense can do a lot there, generate offense, a lot of big bodies back there, uh, a lot of scoring depth. They've got you know the veteran guy like Bavelski. They got Robertson. They've got a great goalie. That's a team that just the way they're built can trudge and truck their way through a couple different rounds. But as you said, probably the 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 most appealing matchup has to be Bruins Vegas if it gets to that point. Give me the give me the Cassidy storylines. Give me the Cassidy post game pressers that go for like like a, a Tolkien chapter. It's like twenty minutes long. Would be great oh, theater. Be the best. It would be perfect. So and again, it's Vancouver, by- right? oh yeah, go!
1: No, I was gonna say, Vin- like like Vegas, especially like the whole. I-, I just think those teams always play great games. They always yeah. play great games. They, like no matter the roster construct, no matter what what team you know what what Vegas or Boston is missing in that game, they always have entertaining games. So that that that'd be a great one as well.
0: Yeah, uh, Bruce is also uh, has never shied away from the fact that he's openly enjoys trying to beat the Bruins now, which is great. I, so many coaches now are either like downplay stuff, or I remember like I think it was the first game after the Stanley played the Blues here, like what was it like early November? And I think people asked like Cassidy like any extra meetings like no, and then like I forget who it was, someone flattened a Blues player like right off the jump in that game. There was like three fights. It was a great game. And I was like, yeah, of course, like that was going to happen. But a lot of coaches don't like to tip their hand over that. Bruce Cassidy has openly always talked about like, yeah, no, I enjoyed beating this team. And then even like last year, right? Like when the Bruins run a roll, he's like, hopefully play him and hopefully play him in the spring. Everyone was excited about that. Yeah. And then what happened? So that was almost more, uh,
1: that felt like him almost calling them out. Like, yeah, we'll see if you can do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like like it, it, it's really interesting as it relates to Vegas and, and even Edmonton that'd be the first round matchup right now in that yeah. bracket. And, and so I look, that's why I look at the Oilers team and go, I, I don't see you beating Vegas. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't see it happening. So uh lot, I think Edmonton needs to make another move. I think they got to make a, mo- a one more move. I, I think to really kind of try to put them over the top because, you know, you mentioned how good they've been this year. We're talking about, you know, McLeod and Perry and, and, and even, uh, um uh, Oh god, who is the guy who scored the goal? It doesn't matter. Um but but you know, like you look at their roster and and you're like, okay, if you got one more piece, if you got one more guy. Now you're yeah. cooking with gas. You know, and so um really interesting to watch those teams, but yeah, like I I think that when it comes to the Bruins, you know, we're talking about the Bruins making the making the Stanley Cup final. It'd be amazing. I, I, at this point, I'll settle for winning two rounds. Give me, give me yeah. something beyond six games or seven games in the opening round. Like I, I, I got to see a step forward here and this is where it comes back to the goaltending, right? Like I got to see one of these guys get the monkey off their back, win a playoff round, take the, take the net and run with it. You know, if, if, if they don't just split it as a tandem and are successful doing it that way. Um, You know, Swayman's got a nine hundred one career save percentage in the playoffs. Linus is like an eight ninety, I want to say eight eighty five, something like that. Like you got it, like one of these guys has got to take the net and 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 just and be reliable and be a true presence out there. So hopefully that happens for the Bruins this spring.
0: Yes, hopefully the Bruins are playing uh, into into at least May this time around. So um, before we wrap up this podcast, Ty, let's take another quick break. from our friends over at factor meals factors delicious ready to eat meals
2: make eating better every day easy wherever tomorrow takes you be ready with pre-prepared chef crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door there are two minute meals fuel up fast with factors restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are there's snacks smoothies and more discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily, and they're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And no prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100%. Ready to heat and ready to eat, and there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. So, head to FactorMeals.com/bruins50 and use code Bruins50 to get 50% off. That's code Bruins50 at FactorMeals.com/bruins50 to get 50% off. Now back to the show.
0: Once again, shout out to our good friends over at Factor Meals. All right, Ty, let's end this uh, podcast with a familiar topic we've talked about: Noah Hannafin. Bruins played him again on uh, Thursday in Calgary. And I, I think we've talked about before that perfect scenario for the Bruins. They wait till the offseason. you don't have to give up assets. Maybe you have the money available to sign him. Give you arguably the best top four in the NHL. What to like there. You look now with the fact that Lindholm's week to week. He's banged up. Forward has uh, put together probably lackluster returns, I would probably say, since coming back from LTIR. Uh, Matt Grizzlick is now banged up. Um, you've got Wetherspoon. You've got Lori playing heavy minutes now. Uh, does the state of the left side of Bruins defense right now, do you think that changes their approach to Hanef and do you think they could actually be realistic buyers for, for him? Right Again, you've got a lot to deal with in terms of assets, cap management, all that stuff, but is there any feasible chance the Bruins all of a sudden jump into the sweepstakes stakes now instead of Maybe uh you know in July, I would be I would be very surprised I I I really would and the reason
1: I, I say that and the, the reason I feel that way is just I don't know if you have the assets in terms of futures right like if you can get away with it for by trading you know a high end prospect or two and and lose a first round pick maybe but I, I for me I think this team. I don't think they want to trade a first round pick. I think they've done it too many times now. I think they've traded. I want to say they have traded seven of their last nine first round picks or something yeah. crazy or five of the last eight. It's something insane like that. Right. And so at a certain point you have to stop doing that and, and you have to stop doing that because you also don't have a lot of second round picks. You also don't have the third round pick. Like, like you got to stop doing it at, at a certain point. And I think that the Bruins have to embrace this year as a true transitional bridge year and you have to look at that and say okay like if there's an injury like you're going through right now mason LoRai is going to play is it going to be perfect nope but we're going to find out what he has and i go back i said this before but i go back to 2008 david Krejci was not supposed to be in their lineup in the playoffs but he was because bergeron got injured Krejci got injured late i mean i'm sorry savard got injured late this in the regular season Came back in the playoffs, but David Krejci had to play big minutes because they had no other option. It paid off. The next year, David Krejci had 73 points, and he was good in the playoffs. They won a Stanley Cup in 2011 with him being a point per game guy. Like that's like, so if that has to happen this year, and Mason Leroy has to play top four deep minutes for you in the playoffs, or Merkulov, or Lysel, or whoever has to play big roles in the playoffs, good. It tells me something I need mm-hmm. to know about this team for the future, and. Secondly, when it comes to that 2025 first-round pick that is likely going to be theirs because the one this year is going to convey. Part of me thinks that in the back of their mind, they're like, we might need that for a center. We might need that for for Tomas Hurdle, you know, if he becomes available in San Jose. <laughs> and you put Hurdle with Zaka and Pasternak, and holy shit, now you have another checkline 2.0, and it might be even better than what you thought you, you could get. So I think that's how they kind of look at it. I, I, and so I think they want to take their chances with Hannah Finn on July 1. Um, now, the part that would suck is that, you know, if, if, if a team like Colorado or Toronto or somebody made a move for him, and then they Florida. did what you did with, yeah, yeah, they did what you did with, with Lindholm, you know, they, they acquire him and extend him right away. That would suck. But that's kind of a gamble you have to take. You know, last year you took a lot of gambles. You bring in Bertuzzi, you bring in Orlov, you swung for the fences. This year, I think you had to walk away from the table and say, can't do it this year. Sorry. That's what yeah. I would do personally.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think the the most you know, the most proactive approach has to be taking your chances and, and seeing if he hits the open market. And again, who who the hell knows what your cash phase is going to be then? Whether you decide on what to do with the Brus, or you decide on what to do a swame or what have you. But I'd rather them see where their money is in July and just sign him out, outright as opposed to having to jump the gun now, giving up a first round pick you know, NHL talent off the roster, whatever that is, like maybe a Lorai, maybe a Patra, like you're giving up one of your few like blue chip prospects that you have. There's not a whole lot of them for a guy when you ideally could hopefully just sign him uh, a few months down the road. And again, yes, you run that risk of him going somewhere else, signing elsewhere. Well, that those are the breaks and that's kind of situation you're in. If you're the Bruins, you maybe you had the luxury of trying to trade from early if you hadn't given up, as you said seven first round picks the last nine years. Like sooner you know, yeah. or later, you have, the, the bill is going to have to come due with the way that they've, again, try to be aggressive, try to put teams over the top. Like I wouldn't call it reckless when you're trying to make the most of Chara's window and Bergeron and Krejci and what have you. Um, but that's a, the reality situation you're in. So if I'm the Bruins, yeah, I'm waiting to see what Hannafin does in July. And then if you're able to make a marginal upgrade without having to give up a coveted piece, whether that's a a tone-setting fourth line guy, whether it's just a, a physical third pairing guy like a Steeler, a labushkin someone like that, maybe that's the right at the right approach where again you're making an upgrade, but you're not giving up one of the few assets you still have out there. So um I, I think that's gonna be the most realistic approach the rooms have to take. Again, it's gonna suck if anifan goes to Tampa or Florida or someone else like that, but you're just not in that position this year, especially to be swinging for the fences trying to get that blockbuster deal done
1: yeah and and i I just looked it up real quick if they were to trade the 2025 first round pick that would mean that they've traded six of their last eight first round picks and that the two guys the two ones that didn't were used to take johnny beecher who projects as a fourth line center bottom six wing whatever whatever, however they want to use him and fabian lysel who we still haven't seen yet um And so he's a complete unknown in in terms of his ceiling and what he can be for your team. So look at, you look at at it that way and say, not only would you be trading first round picks, but you wouldn't necessarily be getting true first round pick bang for your buck kind of investments. Like if, if you, you know, if you traded all these picks, but Hey, you got David Posternock with one of them. It's like, okay, well that's fine because you, you got a, you got a top five overall talent at 24 with one of those picks. You can, you can afford to trade a couple of them, but like, to this point, you haven't really gotten that yet. So it makes it that much harder to to trade those kind of picks. So this is a quiet deadline for me. If I'm the Bruins, I, I'm I'm looking internally. I'm looking in-house and saying, the guys that we have in-house, this is what we're going to go with, and, and we hope that they get hot at the right time. You know, it's funny. You mentioned earlier that we were talking about, like, you said you couldn't break up Charlie Coyle and Trent Frederick, right? And I go back to myself. Earlier in the year, and I was saying, okay, Jake DeBrusque has to be your third best winger. Well, I've kind of thrown that out the window now. And I've said, you know what? Your third best winger can be a rotation. It, it can be, okay, this week JVR's hot. This week Trent Frederick's hot. This week, Jake DeBrusque is hot. Like, like I've kind of abandoned that notion that Jake DeBrusque has to be your third best winger. Like, because you've seen guys go on some massive heaters here, right? And so if if that's the case it's like okay well your third your third best guys are revolving door and and if they're shooting their lights out that week that's great you know and you just have to hope that somebody's always doing it and that you don't have all three or four guys going cold at the same time so i think that's how i look at it you know that's my stance that's changed since then and the other stance that i've changed is no i've been consistent with this don't trade anything don't trade any high end picks you know as enticing as it may be unless the player has term I'm not doing it this year. I can't do it. Can't, can't, can't do it. Got to pick in the first round sometime.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we have, what, two weeks to the deadline? So plenty of decisions to be made there. Plenty more to talk about, I'm sure, uh, in the weeks ahead. So, um, Ty, before we wrap this one up, uh, where can we find all of your great work?
1: Uh, you can find me at 985 sportsubcom You can also find me on Twitter slash X at at underscore Ty Anderson. Uh, I also do a little podcast uh, on 985 with my good friend, Matt Dolliff. It's uh, the Sports Hub Underground. We do those every week. Uh, so hope to hear you there as well.
0: Yep. And you can find my stuff over at Boston.com and the globe. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter uh, X, whatever the hell it's called at Connor Ryan underscore 93. So uh, once again, this is episode 206 of poke the bear. I'm Connor Ryan. That is Ty Anderson. You guys have a great rest of your week.